10 myths and misconceptions about mental health. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Today's episode of Something for Everybody is a solo episode, and it's one of the most important episodes I do on this podcast. May is the month my sister was born, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This episode is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products daily. So click the link in the show notes and use the code EVERYBODY at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 157 of Something for Everybody. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. And today's episode is one of the most important episodes of this podcast. It is May, which means it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's important for a number of reasons for me specifically, which I will get into. Now, if you're a frequent listener or watcher of this podcast, then you've sort of seen this episode before. It's one that I do every single May. And in June of this year, one month from now, will be the three-year anniversary of this podcast. And so in 2021, I did sort of the first edition of this May episode of this podcast, which was episode number 53. And then I did it last year in 2022, which was episode number 94. And currently the episode you are watching or listening is episode 157. And I do this episode every single year in May for a couple of reasons, which I'll get into. And that's why it's one of the most important episodes that I do all year. And the second would be in September, which is sort of the, the same reoccurring schedule I have, yearly schedule for that episode, because September is Suicide Prevention Month, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Both of those things coincide with some very personal things that happened to me which I will get into again. So if you're a frequent listener or you're a longtime listener, you may have heard this story before, but I encourage you to continue listening or watching because I will go over 10 myths about mental health, which is extremely important and extremely important to understand, especially during this month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So into the sort of more personal reason as to why this is an important month for me. So as I stated, May is is Mental Health Awareness Month. So someone being in the mental health field, this podcast deals a lot with mental health. The goal of this show is to make people feel more loved and connected, and that's about our mental health and our relationships, and to give some deep insights that resonate with you to to wanna create the sort of best version of you. So that has a lot to do with our mental health. I also own a mental health nonprofit, called You Are Loved. So I'm, I'm deeply involved in the mental health space, in the mental skills space, in the mental wellness space. It is my massive transformative purpose is to end mental suffering. And this podcast and my nonprofit are two vehicles I'm trying to use to reach um, that goal or to continue moving towards that purpose. So that's why it's important. But it became important. It wasn't always important. It became important because of my big sister, Rachel. My big sister, Rachel, was born on May 1st, 1990. 
She would have turned 33 years old on May 1st, 2023. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2018. So in September, that'll be five years. So it's interesting that May is Mental Health Awareness Month and the month of her birthday. September is the the month she passed away. September 3rd, 2018 is the month she passed away. And also September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. My sister died by suicide in September 3rd, 2018. And so that event, moment in time um, kicked off this whole journey for me, this whole journey into self-transformation, into mental health, into personal growth, into grief, into healing, into love, into all of these things that I try and talk about on this podcast. That's why this podcast specifically was born out of pain and curiosity. It was a byproduct of pain and curiosity, pain of, of losing my best friend, my big sister, my number one supporter, someone who loved me dearly and deeply since the day I was born, a, a non-judgmental, smiling, just outrageously exuberant person, intelligent, just a, one of the most beautiful smiles I've ever seen. It's that image of her smile that sticks with me, you know, and that 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 pain, that grief, that loss, that sadness set me on a journey of curiosity, of how of, of wanting to learn and explore and understand and figure out what we could do to change the conversation, what we could do to alter the conversation, what we could do to become more proactive with and about mental health, not only as individuals, because it's an individual responsibility to take on and take care of your mental health, but it's also part of a collective unity to make a decision as a society that we are going to be a society that is proactive with our mental health. Not only not just the society who deals with it when the crisis hits, but becoming a society that is proactive, that creates habits that are surrounding and beneficial for our mental health. And so my sister, whose birthday again would have been May 1st, her birthday is May 1st. She would have turned 33 this year in 2023. As I turn 31 in June, we were two years apart. She was an engineer. She was a brilliant woman. Um, you know, obviously I, I miss her every single day, but through these things, through these channels, um, I feel her guiding me. Um, I feel her light, her love. Um, I feel all of the lessons that she tried to teach me when she was alive. Now that I'm learning them and reflecting on them and understanding them and, and using this podcast as the vehicle to, to relay that stuff, to learn more. To, to share other people's beautiful stories, to give people flowers, to spread love, to create understanding. Like that's what it's about because that's what she was about. And that's why I started You Are Loved. You know, when I really got in deep with this podcast and it became a very, very important part of my life, that's what it was about. The byproduct of pain and curiosity, the goal to, to make those who listen feel more loved and connected and hopefully give you some actionable tools that you can take away to implement into your life so you can become the best version of you. That's what it's all about.
And so that's why this month of May is so important because multiple things are true. Multiple emotions sit with me this whole month. Um, I don't have to just feel sad or just feel happy or just feel fulfilled or just feel purposeful or, or grief. I, I, I feel mutual and coexisting emotions. And it's taken me a long time to, to understand that and to learn that two things can exist at one time. Because during this month of May, a lot of things happen that are really cool for the mental health space. A lot of companies are promoting it, talking about it and being about it. I'll get to that point in a second, why that can be a little tricky. And so it makes me feel hopeful and optimistic about the future, about preventing suicide and creating a society that's proactive about mental health. It makes me optimistic and hopeful, but it's also in the same side. It, it, it makes me well aware every single day. It punches me in the face that I no longer uh, can hang out, can touch, can hold, can hug, can go to a movie with my sister. You know, I, I still have her. I still feel her, just not her physical body, you know, but it makes that ever more clear all the time. And so I'm, I'm, I exist in this month with a lot of coexisting painful emotions. And that happens a lot for me at family events and gatherings and things like that. And things that remind me of my sister, which are a lot of stuff. So I've gotten, I don't want to say good, but I've been able to comprehend and understand that I can experience two emotions at the same time. And it doesn't make me uh, weird or whatever. It just, I allow it. I sit with it. I feel it. And I'm okay with that. And so this month brings up a lot of those feelings. So does September, because that's the actual month that she passed away. And so I celebrate her this month. I celebrate her this month. She was a person who loved birthdays. She loved parties. So I, I celebrate her. I celebrate her. I try to celebrate her every day, her life, um, what she left, the lessons I learned from her, you know, the beauty. Um, so it's very important for me to express that. And that's why this episode that I do every single May is so important. And it's so important because every year I'm learning something new. Every year I'm learning something different about mental health. I'm trying to engage and learn and grow and evolve all the time to be able to express the stuff that's resonated with me in my mental health journey. So to help you create your toolkit, to help create your toolkit so you can be as proactive as possible, so you can armor yourself with as many things as possible, so you can handle the bad days when they come, so you can handle the inevitable punch in the face so you can handle the storm, right? Because life will beat you down. That is inevitable. We will get punched in the face, knocked down, but how can we armor ourselves to be able to get back up, to continue to get back up no matter what? How can we keep showing up? How can we keep showing up? And we do that by armoring ourselves. How do we armor ourselves? We get proactive with our mental health. We figure out what works for us, what doesn't work for us. And we have to actively try those things in an environment that gives us enough time and commitment to the skill to actually see if it works for us. We can't try it one time and then toss it out because it didn't work that one time. We have to make a commitment. Self-care is making a commitment to your future self. So actively trying these tools that could potentially work for you is self-care because it's a commitment to your future self. So how can you try these things long enough to be able to know if they work for you, whether it's meditation, journaling, walking, Zumba, yoga, uh, all of these things. What is in your mental health toolkit? And you want to think about, you can think about it uh, in a few different ways, right? In your mental health toolkit, you must have, you must have 
some sort of movement practice. Absolutely have to, okay? You have to have a movement practice. You also have to have a thinking practice, whether that's gratitude practice, an optimism practice, a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, a journaling practice, right? That's a thinking practice. Whatever works for you, a movement practice, so you're moving well. A thinking practice, so you're thinking well. You have to figure out what nutritious foods can you put in your body to help nourish your body so it can flourish. So you have to understand how to eat well. You have to understand how to eat well because how you eat affects your brain. Obviously, your gut um, affects your brain, how you sleep, how you move, your energy, right? So all of these things are intertwined and bi-directional, but you have to have a movement practice. You have to have a thinking practice and you have to be able to eat nutritiously. I'm not saying eat perfectly. I'm saying be able to nourish your body with real foods as often as you can. And understand that you're giving yourself great nutrients so you receive those nutrients with gratitude and love so your body appreciates and wants those healthy foods. And then you have to have a good sleeping pattern, right? If you can think of just those four things and have little tools inside of those things that allow you to move well, eat well, sleep well, and think well, then you can create habits around those things to allow you then to become proactive with your mental health. And now you have a set of tools and toolkits that you armor yourself with to allow yourself to handle the bad days or the storm a little more healthy and manageable than you would have otherwise. So think of a movement practice, excuse me. So you're thinking a movement practice to move well, uh, a thinking practice to think well, thinking about um, uh, nourishing your body with nutritious foods so you can eat well and thinking about how you can be proactive and prioritize your sleep so you can sleep well. Move well, think well, sleep well, and eat well. Move, sleep well, move well, sleep well, think well, and eat well. Those are the four-prong approach. I talk about this almost on every single episode. So if you're a listener of every single episode or you know what I'm talking about. And hopefully at this point, you've sat down and developed that toolkit. If not, here's your reminder because I repeat myself on purpose because it's the tiny habits, it's the little habits, it's the daily habits that create our life. And if you want a life that's beautiful and fulfilled and purposeful, which you are extremely capable of building, which you are extremely capable of building, it starts with these fundamental pieces. And so I repeat myself on purpose because, well, we're getting brand new listeners every episode. Also, so hey, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you. But it's also good to iterate, review, and then execute continually daily on these foundational patterns. So you have to build this toolkit. You have to build this toolkit. It's the foundation of your whole being. It's the foundation of you becoming the absolute best version of you. How to think well, move well, sleep well, and eat well build from there. And then that's a proactive practice for your mental health, for your overall well-being. Again, it's all interconnected. Not one is separate. You're all interconnected. Your brain, your body, your movement, your social connections, your friendships, all of those things are connected, right? And if there is a fifth prong, if there was move well, sleep well, eat well, and think well, it would be have great relationships. But I put having great relationships and social connections part of thinking well. Because you think well in bouncing off ideas from people. You think well through social connections, through relationships, through building those genuine, positive 
relationships. So you want to think about all of those things about building the foundation of you as the best version of you so you can live up to your highest potential because you're capable of amazing, incredible things. You have to give yourself the chance to do that and you are worth the effort. And so that's why it's really important. And then you, and then we think about, okay, what's Mental Health Awareness Month for? What's month Mental Health Awareness Month for? Well, it's just a month dedicated to putting a strong emphasis and flashlight on mental health. Now, there's a much more discussion that surrounds mental health now than there even was a couple years ago. You know, I've been in this work for four years now. Since 2018, I've decided that this was going to be part of my life and be the work that I wanted to do. And I've seen the conversation change and alter and grow. But there's still much more that we need to do and discuss about mental health like one of my most important things, like being proactive instead of waiting for the crisis, being proactive. And also <clears throat> removing the barriers, financial or otherwise, to receiving appropriate mental health treatment for certain mental health conditions. And so having a month that highlights mental health allows people to think about it more deeply than they would have otherwise if it wasn't being highlighted. And then we have to realize that mental health is an everyday, every month, 24 seven battle for all of us all the time. Yes, it's great that there's a month in May and September that highlight this very important and crucial issue but it is a 24 7, 365 thing because every single person on planet Earth has mental health. Every single person on planet Earth has mental health because mental health is how you think, feel, and act. It's how you think, feel, and act. And so it encompasses our every single day. Every person think, feels, and acts. So mental health encompasses our every day. Now, there's branches off that tree of certain different things like mental health conditions. You know, your bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, severe depression, severe anxiety, right? Those are mental health conditions. They deserve the treatment and care that I was once talk that I was talking about in previous about the um, barriers that exist to getting that treatment. We have to remove those barriers and allow those people to get the treatment that they deserve, so they can be the best versions of themselves. I'm talking about mental health, the umbrella term. Everyone has it. It's how you think, feel, and act. And then we have mental wellness, mental well-being, mental fitness, mental skills, mental toughness, and mental health conditions. Mental health conditions are different. They also deserve love, care, treatment, and there is hope for those people. If we can become a society that cares about people, if we become a society that actually cares about the individual, the person, the divine nature that lives inside of them and not just tossing them to the side because they have this or that, but thinking of them as a real, a real person, a real human being that we can care for and love and deserves that treatment and care and we can give that to them if we become a society that is about that, that lines up our words and actions that don't say for a month long during Mental Health Awareness Month that we care about mental health and then in June hits and all of a sudden, we don't care anymore. No, we have to use this month as a springboard, as a springboard for the rest of the year, for the other 11 months of the year. This May month is the springboard to allow us to have conversations, in-depth, deep conversations that hopefully create policy change, heart changes, and lifestyle changes that allow everyone individually to take on the responsibility and ownership of their own mental health, which it bleeds out into the collective 
if everyone makes a commitment to themselves, if everyone makes a commitment to be responsible and take ownership and hold accountability over their own physical health, mental health, and overall well-being, then the conversations we have are different. Then there's accountability with everyone. Then there's a a collective accountability that says, yes, we are gonna be a people who take care of our mental health, who take care of our physical health, who take care of our overall well-being because we take care of each other and we care for ourselves. That's the commitment. That's the commitment. Giving yourself your best giving yourself your best effort, saying, "Yes, I am worthy to take care of myself. I I'd earn that, I deserve that, and I'm going to take care of myself like I'm someone that I love because I do love myself because I've worked to get to that place. And so that's what this month is really about. It's shining a flashlight on it and then hopefully springboarding it to the to the whole year, to 24-7, 365, trying to be proactive with our mental health on a day-to-day basis and taking ownership of it and being an active participant in our lives, in our mental health, to make sure that we are becoming the best version of ourselves. So this month is extremely important. I hope you use it. I hope you use the resources, the tools, the information, the knowledge that is gonna be presented this month. I hope you take it, you read it, you understand it, you dive deep into it, you you absorb it, and then you apply it specifically to you and your life. You take it, you're like, this works for me, this doesn't work for me, this works for me, okay, I can apply this. And then you create these habits. You create the habits that are too small to fail and you become the person that set, that does the thing they say they're gonna do. And you build an undeniable stack of proof that you are that person. And so when the bad day comes, you know you can overcome it because you are that person, because you've built up this armor of being proactive with your just with your health, with you. You've built up a self-care practice, you've built up a commitment to your future self, and you decided that you are worth the effort because you absolutely 100% are. You are worthy and you are deeply loved and it's time to make that commitment now. So that's why it's important because of my sister's birthday and because of Mental Health Awareness Month. So I wanted to share that um, right before I go into um, the sort of the meat and bones of today's episode. I know I've been talking for about 20 minutes, um, but here we go. So 10 myths about mental health. I think that's important because there's still a lot of myths and misconceptions about mental health that if we can smash those, remove those, then the conversation becomes even more regular. It becomes even more normalized to talk about our feelings, our emotions, because feelings, especially hard ones like sadness, grief, anger, loss, pain, those are normal emotions. And if we can speak about them, then we're not suppressing them, we're not shoving them under the rug, we're becoming people who can sit with them, figure out why they're happening, and then deal with them in that space. Instead of brushing them under the rug, allowing the dragon to get big and then burn our fucking house down. No, we're sitting with them being like, okay, this is a, a sign of something where I need to look at what am I, am I, is it a values conflict, what's happening? And then I can look at it and then you look at these feelings and then you understand them, you sit with them and then you get to know yourself even better and then you become the person who can handle these sorts of feelings and understands why they come up and then you start to deal with them in a more healthy way continually going forward. So that's why it's important to smash these myths and remove these misconceptions about mental health. And so the first one is, the first myth is that mental health issues are uncommon. 
In 2001, the World Health Organization estimated that one in four people in the world will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their life. Currently, 450 million people are experiencing such conditions. As the WHO explained, mental disorders are among the leading causes of ill health and disability worldwide. One of the most common mental health disorders is depression, affecting more than 264 million people globally in 2017. A more recent study, which concentrates on the United States, concludes that the number of adults experiencing depression has tripled during, during the pandemic. <clears throat> so generalized anxiety disorder, GAD, uh, another common mental disorder or mental health condition, affects an estimated 6.8 million adults in the U.S., equating to more than three in every 100 people. So with that said, right, that means mental health issues are common. And <clears throat> I don't know if I love all of those numbers because it makes it seem like you know, it's just like the word crisis gets thrown around a lot. And I, I, and maybe it is right. I like, maybe that's right. I do think we're sort of in a mental health crisis, but that language can be daunting and it can stop people in their tracks when they're trying to get the help, right? Cause if they feel anxious, they feel depressed. They feel like they're just part of all these other people who feel the same way, so there's nothing they can do about it. But, but there is something you can do about it. You have to step into action, right? It's like it's like awareness, acceptance, action, right? We're all aware that mental health exists. Maybe not every single one of us, the majority of us are aware that mental health exists. And again, it's mental health in terms of how we think, feel, and act. Then there's mental health conditions, which are like your depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, severe anxiety, things that are need a little bit more love attention, care, and professional treatment. So we're all sort of aware of that. Then we have to accept the fact that it's it's happening. And, but we also, we have to accept the fact that this is our reality. We are not gonna fight with reality because every time we fight with reality, we lose. So we have to accept this is the truth. This is the honesty. This is reality. I'm rooted in this current reality. So I've accepted my current situation. Then we have to move into action. You know, I think that's what we haven't done yet. That's what we haven't done yet. And we have to be able to move into action, especially and most importantly, when we feel our worst. So when we feel depressed or anxious, we have to get into action, but we can't get into action if we don't know what the action steps are to take. And that's really what we should be talking about. Tons of people, there is a crisis, especially on young people with how anxious and depressed and lonely people feel right now. And we have to create more social connections. We have to create actions that we will do even when we don't feel our best. When we feel our best, great, we're doing all of these things. But what happens when we feel our worst or we get in the dumps or we have a heartbreak or rejection or failure, overwhelm, or something didn't go our way or we're just not feeling it today? Okay, how do I know what to do if I haven't set up a protocol that allows me to get into action when these feelings arise, because these all of these feelings are normal human emotions that we have to say, yes, they're normal, and yes, they're okay that you're feeling this way. Absolutely, it's okay that you're feeling this way, but what can I do about it? I'm not gonna sit and drown in these emotions and just let them wallow over me. I'm going to move into action to allow myself to become more proactive with this and take care of my health actively in a uh, in a safe and healthy, effective manner. So if we're not teaching these actionable items, we have awareness, we have acceptance that this is happening, now we have to teach the action portion. 
and you're setting up protocols and you're setting up algorithms in your life, if this, then what? If this, then what? If this, then what? To allow your body and your brain to know that if this happens, then I do this. If this happens, then I do this. That's setting up protocols protocols that you stick to, especially when you feel your worst. And that's why having an action plan is important for your mental health. That's what being proactive is really about. And then you create a support system around that. Friends that hold you accountable, yourself that holds you accountable. And that's how you build real, genuine, honest relationships because social support is huge when it comes to our mental health. And so I think that's very important. Number two, this is a myth. People with mental health conditions cannot work. It's obviously a myth. It's obviously a myth. I'll just relate it to my sister. She became an engineer and she struggled with severe depression, bipolar disorder, and developed some schizophrenia at the end of her life. And she maintained and held a job at Raytheon as an engineer for a long time. So that is an absolute myth. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. You can do it. You just have to be able to have the right Uh, mental health system set up for you to succeed the best. And that's the system we have to be able to set up for people because it can get very expensive and out of hand and it can sort of seem like a luxury to get the mental health treatment that you deserve. And so we have to have better policies around that so that people don't feel like this thing that they have is this permanent death trap of their life. It's not, it's not, it's not. It's a condition that you live with. It's not who you are. It's a part of you, but you're much more. And you're someone who can actively work and do great things still in your life. Number three. Mental health problems are a sign of weakness. This is obviously a huge myth and a misconception. They're not a sign of weakness. Having mental health means you're human. It means you're a person. And that's a beautiful thing. It means you're dealing with emotions. It sometimes means you're going out and living life because you got rejected or you're heartbroken or there was a mistake or you're feeling overwhelmed. A lot of times it means you're going out there and living and you're just, now you're dealing with the emotions of life or death or grief or all of these things. It's not a sign of weakness. It's never been a sign of weakness. It's been a sign of you being a human. Humans are messy and imperfect and we make mistakes. But the greatest part, excuse me, about humans is that we have the ability to always get back up. Making that commitment to keep showing up, to keep showing up. So mental health problems aren't a sign of weakness. No, I hate that one. It's not, it's not. It's a sign that you're human. You don't have it all figured out because no one does. And that's awesome because we can stay on this journey and see where it takes us because we're in love with that process of becoming us of getting to know us. And so whoever believes that uh, hasn't, hasn't dealt with it in a way that um, maybe you have. And so you know the truth and so stick with the truth, right? Number four, people with mental health problems are violent and unpredictable. This is also like not true. There are violent and unpredictable people, sure. But it's not because Like not everyone with mental health problems is violent and unpredictable. My sister was not violent. Sometimes she was unpredictable, but that was part of her uh, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, right? Sometimes, but all people can be unpredictable. That's just another part of being a human is being unpredictable. The violence part is really where the misconception and myth comes in. 
So don't think that that's you. You're not in that box. Don't put yourself in a box. You're not in a box. You're much more dynamic than any box can fit. And so I'm really just stating these myths and misconceptions so that we can think about them internally and know that they're not true. And so when people try to put them on us or talk about them, we have a way to combat them. That's just not true because we have all this evidence that proves that that's not true. Number five, personality weakness or character flaws cause mental health problems. This is the same as, you know, very similar to mental health problems or a sign of weakness. It's not a personality weakness or a character flaw to have uh, mental health issues. It's just not. Again, it's part of being human. Now, the important part is what do you do when you feel this way? We talked about this a lot already. Like, What sort of action, what sort of protocols do you get into when you start to feel this way? Because if you just sit in it forever and wallow away, uh, then it's just going to keep getting worse. Yes, of course, there are going to be some days where you just sit down and you relax. And yes, of course, there's going to be some days where all you could do is brush your teeth or all you could do is take a five-minute shower and you just laid in bed and you took a, a day for yourself. Totally great. Understand. All of us need that at some point in our lives to take a nice mental health day. But that's not a forever thing. That's not a week-long thing. That's, okay, now I can rejuvenate. I can reset and I can think about what sort of action steps I can get into to try and get myself out of the position that I'm in so I can feel better. Whether it's movement, eating, thinking, social connection, whatever it is, journaling, meditating. There's many different practices and tools that you can apply into your life so you're not feeling this way longer than you need to. Because feeling this way, sometimes we feel sad. Sometimes we feel depressed. Sometimes we feel angry or overwhelmed or grief or loss or pain. Yes, those are normal emotions that all of us will feel at some point in our lives if we are living And so it's not a personality weakness or a character flaw. It's just part of being a dynamic human being, which is awesome. But we have to have steps and protocols to to get ourselves out of that when we do feel that. So we're not just sitting in it forever. We're recognizing, we're becoming aware that we feel this way. We're accepting the fact that we have these emotions because they're normal human emotions. We accept them and then we move into action. Awareness, acceptance, action. Number six. People with mental health problems can snap out of it if they try hard enough. This is just like, just don't say that. Don't say, hey, just just snap out of it. You'll be fine. If they would, they could, right? But what takes, it takes effort, patience, hard work, and support to get out of sort of some of these mental health uh, funks, right? If they're a mental health condition, a diagnosed mental health condition, it's a little bit different. But right, if we're just feeling some like just feeling some way like we're just having a bad day or just like feeling a little ick or just like feeling a little off we can't just snap out of it like it doesn't work like that or else all of us would but there are some things that can be done to help you alleviate those feelings to get you feeling better more quickly than you would if you just sat in it but again it's about awareness acceptance and action there is no hope for people with mental health problems Once a friend or family member develops mental health problems, he or she will never recover. This is absolutely 100% false, not true. There is so much hope. There is so much hope. In the work that I've done in the last four years, there is so much hope. There's so much hope. We can do it together. We can do it. There is hope. There is so much. Like I've seen people overcome some of the most hardest, traumatic, painful 
experiences and situations in their whole life. And I've seen them overcome it over a two, three year period to just end up living their best life. And it's possible. There is hope. That's you know, you will you can recover. You can overcome. All of that, all of those things is possible. And you first have to believe that it's possible. Because you were the person, you were the person who's capable of overcoming that. You are. You absolutely are. So you first have to recognize it within yourself that you are the person who's capable of overcoming that thing. Believe it, believe it. And then you're aware of it. Then you accept it and then you move into action, 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 action. But it starts with a belief. Hopeful people, hopeful people um, have, uh, <clears throat> um, have hopeful, excuse me, hopeful people have three different sorts of types of qualities, right? They believe the future will be better than the present. They have agency, and they're willing to take multiple pathways. And that's what you have to be willing to do with your mental health, right? You're in this position now and you believe fully that the future will be better than the present. You take agency and ownership over your mental health and say, I can do this, I got this little by little, step by step. And then the third step is you're willing to take multiple pathways. Oh, this didn't work, A didn't work, I'll go to B, B didn't work, I'll go to C. And you're willing to take those multiple pathways and so you're developing this hopeful idea for yourself and for your mental health. And so you can acquire that idea. You can become more hopeful and more optimistic through training it that way. But you first have to believe it's possible because I believe it's possible for you and I've seen it in real life with myself and the people that I've worked with. Um, so it is possible, believe that, you can do it. Mental health issues are permanent. It's the same, you know, very similar to the previous one. They're not permanent. Yeah, you may live with it for the rest of your life. Um, but you're not going to feel the weight of it all the time every day, right? It's going to fluctuate just like our mood fluctuates normally, just like our feelings fluctuate, just like our body fluctuates, right? Things are going to fluctuate. There's going to be peaks and valleys, but the way you feel right now, well, you won't feel like that forever. You will not. There's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys, but it depends on how proactive you get with your mental health, what things you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis for your movement, for moving well, for eating well, for sleeping well, and for thinking well, will help determine how you feel each and every day. And yes, there's gonna be some external circumstances and environmental factors and different things that affect our mental health that are totally out of our control. But if we can focus on the things that are in our control, the things that are in our control, our protocols, our toolkits that surround our mental, physical, and emotional health and overall well-being and stick to those things that are in our control, then we allow ourselves to have the best chance possible of becoming that best version of us and to be able to handle what life throws at us a little bit better. So that's all it is. Um, number nine, not gonna get into much about it, but it's an important myth that we need to uh, debunk an important misconception that we need to remove. So the myth is that eating disorders only affect females. Eating disorders affect everyone. Eating disorders are pervasive and very, very, very challenging psychological conditions. And they need to be treated with respect, with kindness, with love, and with tr real treatment. And they don't only affect females, they affect everyone. They are very serious psychological condition, eating disorders. And the last one, uh, the, another 
Uh, one of the myths that I've been talking about a lot recently is that suicide is selfish. Suicide is not selfish. And if you want to hear my thoughts on that, please refer to episode 148 of this podcast where I break down that myth in detail for about 30 minutes about why suicide is not selfish and why we should remove that misconception from when talking about mental health. So those are just 10 mental health myths and misconceptions that everyone should know and that we should continue to address when they're brought up and we should continue to address them in a kind, respectful manner, but continue to remove those myths and stigmas when we talk about mental health so we continue so we can continue moving the needle forward on how we progress with our mental health, how we see mental health, how we talk about mental health, the conversations, the policies, the proactive treatment, the care, the love, all of that stuff surrounding mental health is extremely important. And to wrap it all up, the most important thing, most important thing, most important thing is that your mental health matters. You deeply, deeply matter. And you can take care of your mental health by getting proactive with it, by developing a set of tools and action patterns that work specifically for you that you do on a day-to-day -day basis because you are the person who says, who does the things they say they're gonna do, right? That's who you are, right? One, we are aware that we have mental health. Mental health is how we think, feel, and act. Two, we accept that this is our current reality. And three, we wanna get into some action. Because my and your mental health matters. You matter deeply. You are deeply loved. And you are worth the effort of taking care of your mental health, of getting proactive with your mental health, of creating daily habits and patterns and actions that are for your mental health and sticking to those protocols when we feel our worst so we can develop these set of skills that allow us to handle the hardest times in our life a little more healthy than we would without this set of systems. That's what being proactive about mental health is. <clears throat> That's what I hope we can learn as a society, as a collective unit, to become each individually responsible for our mental health, but overall a collective unit that decides that we wanna be proactive with our mental health because we can be a flourishing, healthy society with that idea in mind. So thank you for listening or watching wherever you are. I appreciate you. I love you. You're deeply loved. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to that episode. What was your biggest takeaway? What is one actionable item that you can implement into your life today to start getting proactive with your mental health. And if you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbits directly supports me this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. So click the link in the show notes and check out which tier might work best for you. But most importantly, above all else, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.